Last week we took a, a break from our Old Testament character series with our guest speaker that was able to be with us and so thankful uh, that Brother Cornejo was with us, so thankful for what he did in Austin's life and for in Jason's life. Today we're going to get back to our Old Testament character series. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. I'm going to read just one verse today. Just one verse. It says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And today I want to preach for just a little while on this thought, the power of forgiveness the power of forgiveness. God bless you. How many of you growing up played tug-of-war? Anybody ever played tug-of-war? Now, I don't know if you caught that. The, sec- the first time I said it, it was tug-of-war. second time I said it, it was my Louisiana vernacular tug-of-war. There's no F in there. It's just tug-of-war. But growing up playing tug-of-war, and you would, you would split up teams. If, you, if you're not familiar with this, there's a line here in the middle of the floor, and and you would split up teams, you'd have a rope or something of that nature, and uh, the goal was to pull one team across the line, and if you pulled the other team across the line, then you would win that particular battle or that particular match. And so growing up, sometimes people would stack the teams. They would get a lot of big people on one side, and then there would be a bunch of smaller people on the other, and that was never going to be good for the smaller people. They were very seldom ever going to win. But tug of war, it's two opposing forces pulling on a rope or pulling at something. These two forces each trying to go the other way. Now imagine a ski boat. I've never, I've been out on boats and I've done some little bit of tubing and not really done any skiing, but if you were out in the water and you were skiing, the the goal is and the idea is that the boat would pull you through the water and you would be on top of the water having yourself a great time. But if you were to imagine trying to hold on to two different ski boats at the same time, that would be a very bad situation. You would not be able to hold the boats in place and more than likely you would not stay in place either because of these two opposing forces. Sometimes we are like that where our past is trying to pull us and to keep us where we were. Our past is trying to pull us back and to do the things that we did or to not forgive or not let go of our past while God is pulling us and trying to get us to move forward in our relationship with Him and serving Him. People will hurt us and do us wrong. How many of you have ever been hurt by a person? Not physically, but they, they've hurt you emotionally or whatever, mentally. They've, all of us have had people who have done us harm and who have done us wrong. And when that happens... For many, it is hard to forgive. It's, it's hard to let go of that wrong that has been done to you. And I would tell you that if you don't let go of the past or you don't let go of the wrong that is done with you, it is very difficult to move forward and to progress in the way that God wants us to. So why should we forgive when people hurt us and how do we 
forgive and what does forgiveness look like? You may be familiar with the book of Genesis. You may be familiar with the verse that I read. It is immediately after the death of Jacob. Two weeks ago, I talked about Jacob and about Bethel and the house of God. Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph, the favored son of Jacob, hated by his brothers because Jacob was always showing him favor. Jacob always elevating him to a favored status, primarily because he was the firstborn of Jacob's most beloved wife. So when Joseph comes on the scene, Jacob dotes on him, and Jacob treats him better than the others. And Recently, I had someone tell me, I haven't confirmed this, but they said that in a family, when you had multiple kids, and these kids would each be out in the field with a different part of the flock of sheep, they would wear different color garments so that when you were going through the field, you would know, oh, that's Simeon over there. I can see the color of his coat. And that's Reuben over here. I see the color of his garment. And that's, that's Judah. And that's Benjamin. That everyone would have a different color. But Joseph, you know the story, he had a coat of many colors. He had all of the colors of his brother. And now he is that favorite son that when you saw the one with the multicolored, oh, that's dad's favorite. And so his brothers did not like him. They despised him. And Joseph, he has a dream one day. And in the dream, he is a sheaf of wheat out in the field. Sheaf of wheat, it is a grouping of wheat that's been cut and bound together. And instead of it laying on the ground, they would stand it up tie twine or something around it and it would stand there and they would know that that's a place we got to go pick that up and get that into the barn and in his dream his brothers were also sheaves of weed but they bowed down to his sheaf of wheat he made the mistake of telling his brothers this and of course it doesn't go over good they already don't like him so it makes them like him even less. And then he has another dream and his brothers are stars and his, his mom and dad, they're other constellations and they all do obeisance to him. They bow down to him and then his dad gets upset about it. But the Bible says that he pondered that in his heart. He thought about it. He didn't just discount it, that he knew that maybe God was up to something. And so to fast forward in the story, Joseph ends up in slavery and we'll walk through this a little bit of over the next few minutes together. Sold into slavery and abused by his brothers. Sold and finds himself in Egypt. Ultimately, his family is saved because he is in Egypt and he's the second in command. His dad has just died. And his brothers come to him one more time, they think surely Joseph has only spared our lives because dad was alive. That it's really only out of love for 
our father Jacob that he was willing to spare our lives and not put us to death. But Joseph, it wasn't just because of Jacob, but he tells them this in the last chapter of Genesis. Just after his father has died when confronted with his brothers, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me here to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph's story is a story of forgiveness. It is a story of a person that has been wronged greatly, letting go of that offense and letting go of that wrong and forgiving those who hurt him. So why should we forgive others? I would tell you this, that forgiven people are forgiving people. Forgiven people are forgiving people. And I would tell you that you and I need to let go of the past if we want to grasp hold of the future that God has for us. We cannot stand and hold on to two different worlds. We can't hold on to the past and advance into the future. But we've got to let go of our past so that God can take us to the future that He has for us. Can I get an amen and a hand clap of praise today? I want to give you five reasons why you and I need to forgive. Look at your neighbor and say, why should I forgive? Go ahead, do that. You can say it out loud. Look at your neighbor. Don't be bashful. If you don't have a neighbor, make up a neighbor. Just talk to the empty chair beside you. Why should I forgive? Five reasons from the life of Joseph. The first reason is this. Forgiveness allows us to flourish in difficulty. Forgiveness allows us to flourish in difficulty. After being carted off to Egypt, Joseph is sold to Potiphar. Potiphar, some would say, is a really well-to-do guy there in Egypt. He has a household and he has servants and and Joseph just becomes one of his servants or one of his slaves. But Joseph, because he has let go of the past, he is able to flourish and he becomes head of all of Potiphar's slaves. He becomes his steward. He is the one who manages everything. And in the middle of everything going well, he has done wrong yet again. Potiphar's wife, finds him attractive and wants to sleep with him. And he refuses. He said, I cannot do this thing against my God. And she accuses him of trying to rape her. And he is now thrown into prison. And while in prison, he once again, because he is allowing God to work in his life, he's not holding on to the past. He's been wronged by his brothers. He's been wronged by Potiphar's wife. And he flourishes yet again. And he rises up through the ranks and He doesn't bend, he doesn't complain, he doesn't blame. I would tell you that whenever you and I hold on to our offenses, we can't flourish because everything we do is done in light of the past. You ever met somebody that they always want to talk about what somebody has done to them? Anybody ever met people? You don't have to raise your hand, a few hands, but all of us know people, they're holding on to the past, they're constantly saying, this happened to me, and they're constantly the victim, and this bad thing It was done to me, and sometimes it's 30 and 40 and 50 years later, and they're still living in the past. Joseph doesn't do this, but he flourishes in the middle of difficulty because he has let go of the past, and he has forgiven. 
It's not at the moment we see later in the story, but he has forgiven and he is walking in forgiveness. Second reason why we should forgive is this. Forgiveness allows us to maintain faith in God. Forgiveness causes us to not blame God. It causes us to still hold on to God's plans for our lives. God had given Joseph dreams. He says, I don't know how God will do it, but he says, I know God is going to bring to pass what he has promised me. That the dreams he gave me, he is going to bring it to pass. I don't know, but there is no indication ever in Scripture that he doubted God. That he believed that what God had done, he would bring to pass. One clue we have to that is this, that while he's in prison, he interprets the dream of the butler and the baker. The king has kicked them out of the palace. He's thrown them into prison. He didn't like what they had done, and they have dreams. And Joseph says, oh, my God can tell you what that means. And he interprets the dream that one would die and one would be restored to their position. And the one who is restored, he says, hey, when you are saved in three days, when you get to the palace, you tell Pharaoh, there's a guy here that can interpret dreams. He doesn't plan on staying in prison because God had given him a dream and he knew that what God had spoken would come to pass. But if he's bitter and if he's blaming and he's venting and if he's holding on to the past, he said, it's never going to happen because my brothers did this. But he believed that God was still at work and he had let go of that. And so when Pharaoh has a dream, the man, after two years of failing to tell Pharaoh, finally says, oh, I know somebody that can interpret your dream. Joseph is called upon and he interprets the dream of Pharaoh. And at that point, he is put as second in command in Egypt. Thirdly, Forgiveness allows us to fulfill God's plan. The dreams of Joseph's youth were of his family bowing down to him. He's now second in command of the most powerful nation on earth at the time. He could have gone into Canaan, he could have went to where his brothers were. He could have killed them. But that would short-circuit God's plan. He could have wiped them out. But he chose not to do it. And in fact, the Bible would tell us that for nine years, he is in his position as second in command of Egypt. He is in command of the program to spare the world from its drought by storing up grain and storing up produce for the time, the seven years of famine that were coming. And he waits. He doesn't go after them. When they come to where he is, asking for food, asking for something to help sustain them because of the famine, he still doesn't force them to bow to him. They bow down and it's already at that point part of his dream is fulfilled. But it wasn't just that they would bow. 
that really wasn't the the purpose of his dream. God's not in the, the business of saying, well, I just want this person to bow to you. That's not what he's after. But he was after sparing the people of God in a famine. And that meant putting Joseph in a position to save them in the middle of the famine. What you intended for my harm, God intended for good. And he brought me, Joseph said, to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. His dream is fulfilled. What God has said is fulfilled. That's not the end of the story. The fourth reason we should forgive is this. That forgiveness allows us to restore broken relationships. If I were to ask you today, there are people in your life that you have a broken relationship with. I would say that many hands would be lifted. Some of those are people who hurt you. Some of those are people who've done you wrong. Some of those are people that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they cause you harm and your relationship is broken. You don't talk to them. You don't want to be around them. People respond to hurt in a number of ways. One of those ways is they they respond in anger. They're angry that somebody did them wrong. Some people, that's the end of it. They're just angry. Other people, they want revenge. You did wrong to me, so I'm going to wrong you. Some people, they get through that process of anger, and then it's, can turn to apathy. Hatred is is better than apathy, I would tell you. At least you're thinking about them. But when you're apathetic about somebody, you just cut them off. I, I know people, the least little offense somebody does, they're cutting them off. I don't want anything ever to do with them. People respond in different ways. But for Joseph... He didn't want to just forgive and say, that's enough. I'm not going to do you harm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate you. He didn't say, I, I'm just going to give you what you need. I'm going to allow you to live, but I don't want anything to do with you. No, but the Bible says that he not only spared his brothers, but he restored the relationship with them. And he kicks everybody out of the room but his brothers. And he falls on their neck and he hugs them and he kisses them. And he says, it's your brother Joseph. And I forgive. I already told you earlier that I'm a, I'm just a, an emotional softy. Sight and Sound Theater in Branson. We took a number of you there last year to see the story of Jesus, and they did the story of Joseph. And at that moment in the story when Joseph reveals to his brothers who he is and he embraces them and he forgives them, I, once again I found myself fighting back tears and I mean 
Nobody wants to see a grown man cry at a drama. But it was an emotional moment that he didn't just spare their lives and say, I'm your brother, go ahead and take this food and get out. But he restored the relationship with them. He brought them back and became a family yet again. What I would tell you is this, is that God is not calling us just not to go after. He's not calling us just not to have revenge. He's not calling us to just not be angry. He's not calling us to be apathetic. But He calls us, when we really forgive, to restore the broken relationship. That whoever's hurt you, they need forgiveness. Whoever's wronged you needs forgiveness. That brings me to my fifth and final point, and that is this, that forgiveness allows us to change the future. It allows us to change the trajectory of our lives and change the trajectory of other lives. The Bible would tell us that when we forgive others, we free ourselves to be forgiven. That with the same way in which we forgive other people, that is the same way in which we ourselves are forgiven just after the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, those six verses in Matthew or Luke, Jesus would say this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive The implication is obvious if we don't forgive others, then we ourselves will not be forgiven. But you say, well, what's the big deal? It could be like our most recent past president who said, I've never had any reason to repent. Never done anything wrong. The Bible would beg to differ. That all of us we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. All of us were born separated from God. All of us were in need of God's forgiveness. All of us needed Him to restore us and to pull us back into relationship with Him. All of us needed His forgiveness. The Bible would say that our sin was great, but His grace was greater. His love was greater that our sin, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And how did He do that? God came in the form of a man. We call it the incarnation, and He lived a perfect sinless life. As J.C. comes to the music, He lived this perfect sinless life, and then He died the death that you and I should die buried in a tomb, and He rose again the third day so that you and I could have eternal life. Jesus would tell us, recorded in Luke 7, 47, that He who is forgiven much loves much. Speaking of this woman, He said, For this reason I say to you, her sins which are many, have been forgiven. 
for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. I would tell you that each of us, if you are in a relationship with Jesus, we have been forgiven much. I was raised, and as I've told you, I was raised in church all my life. And while there are some sins that I never committed, my sin was still great. And the distance between me and God was still a vast, empty space. But because of His love and His mercy and His forgiveness, He brought me into a relationship with Him. That's what He has done for so many of you. And our response to God is this, to reciprocate the love that He has shown. John would write this in his first epistle, we love because He first loved us. And Jesus, going back to the Lord's Prayer, would say this, and all of you know it, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lord, in the same way that we forgive others, forgive us that same way. So why should we forgive? It allows us to flourish in difficulty. It allows us to maintain faith in God. It allows us to fulfill God's plan. It allows us to restore broken relationships. And it allows us to change the future. Peter and the disciples one day hearing Jesus talk about forgiveness they think that Peter specifically he decides to show how gracious he is and how big of a man he is and when Jesus is telling them that they need to forgive, he says, well, Lord, how, how often should we forgive? And he says, and Peter says, should we just forgive seven times? I mean, that's six more than you would expect us to. And Jesus says, not seven, but 70 times seven. In case you missed the point, that's every day. The same person. There's a lot of people that have done us wrong, but I've never had to forgive the same person 490 times in one day. And what Jesus is not saying is on the 491st time, punch him in the face. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that you always forgive. And I would tell you that God is just like that. How many times have I come to him with the same sin? And Lord, it's, it's me. I did it again. Will you forgive? And he's not keeping track and say, you're almost reached your limit. But he's always forgiving. Always saying, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. Always saying, my love for you still is strong. My love for you still covers a multitude of sin. My love for you will outdo every sin. One more story as you stand together. Jesus tells the parable of the unforgiving servant. This particular servant, he owes his master quite a bit of money, more than he can repay, and so he goes to his master 
when his master calls him and says, hey, it's time for you to repay your debt. And he says, master, I can't do it. I don't have what I need to pay that debt back. He said, I can't do it. Have mercy. And the master says, that's fine. Your debt is forgiven. He doesn't say, come back next week when you have it. He doesn't say it's going to be 20% interest every day. He just wipes away his debt. And this servant goes out, and there are other servants that they owe him much lesser amounts of money. He goes to collect the debt that is owed him, and this servant who owes him a much smaller amount says, I don't have it, I can't pay it. This servant who has been forgiven, he has the one who owes him money, he has him thrown into prison until the debt, it's debtor's prison until the debt is repaid. The master hears of this and calls him back in. He said, didn't I forgive you this great debt? But I hear that you didn't forgive someone else of this little debt. And the master takes that servant and throws him into prison himself until his debt would be repaid. I would tell you this, that God is calling us to forgive and no matter what anybody's done to you, no matter how they've hurt you, it can never equal the sin that God has forgiven us. It can never equal the amount of wrong that we've done to the one who created us. It can never equal that. And so no matter how big it is or how awful it is, God is calling us to forgive. We cannot hold on to the past and achieve the future God has for us. Sometimes that means we forgive ourselves for the things we've done that were wrong and the mistakes we've made. I hear people say this, I don't know if I can forgive myself. God can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. When we forgive, we lay aside every weight. When we forgive, we let go of our past. And when we forgive, we position ourselves to excel in the future. When we forgive, we're no longer caught between two worlds. When we forgive, we are free to be forgiven. And when we forgive, we imitate Jesus Christ. That our Lord and Savior, as He hangs on the cross, just moments before He dies, He demonstrates this forgiveness of others when He says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Someone just said recently, we are never closer to Jesus than when we forgive. there are today people in this room that need to forgive others that you need to let go of the past let go of the pain let go of the hurt just turn it over to Jesus there are others in this room you need God to forgive you you may have been in this sanctuary numerous times And you've never said, 
Jesus, forgive me. Of all the sin and all the things I've done that are displeasing to you. And so this may be your day that you take that step of repentance for the first time where you ask Him to come and to forgive your sins. You commit your life to following Jesus. This may be that day. But for all of us, whether we need to forgive or we need to be forgiven today, we need to walk daily in His forgiveness and in forgiving others. So I'm going to invite you, whether you fit in any of those categories, to come to the front today just for a couple of minutes. I'm not going to drag this out. But what I would tell you is this, that everyone in this room should come forward because all of us, we either need forgiveness today or we're going to need it tomorrow. And whether you need to ask God to forgive you today, then it it can be, Lord, you know the mistakes I'm going to make. I don't want to make them, Lord, but when I do, help me to come to you for forgiveness. Help me to come and and to pour them and put them at the feet of Jesus so that I don't do it again. Help me to give those all to you. So whether you need to forgive somebody or you need forgiveness today or everything's going good in your life, you're going to need it. So I invite all of you as they begin to sing, would you make your way to the front of the building today and would you just lift your hands and lift your voice to the Lord and say, God, help me to forgive others and help me to repent and help me to turn everything over to you. Come on, would you do that right now? Jesus, we love you. God, we want to follow you. Help us to forgive. Help us to walk in the forgiveness that you have so wonderfully demonstrated, Lord. God, we pray today that the power of your Spirit would work in us. We pray that the power of your Spirit would help us to forgive. The power of your Spirit would help us to turn from sin. The power of your Spirit would help us to submit everything to you, Jesus.